When I wrote my first book, having an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm able to share my books, fun t-shirts, more, all in my online shop. And it's so easy, all because I use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. I love how Shopify works. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash for the love, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash for the love now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash for the love. Let's talk lunchtime. Remember the good old days when we weren't afraid of sandwiches? The carb fear is real. You guys. Uh, so many of my friends are watching carbs, but it's tough. I mean, the best things in life have carbs, right? Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. Their breads contain zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and they're even high in fiber. That's not all. The taste and texture are spot on the soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying like a savory breakfast burrito or a mouth-watering cheeseburger. Hero Bread has it figured out. So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. So go to hero.co and use code love at checkout. That's love at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. You guys, welcome to the show. We have just kicked off a new series that we're all really excited about, and it's called For the Love of the Middle. It occurred to us that we wanted to host a series of conversations about sort of this place, mainly really kind of where I am and so many of you are, right in the middle of life. So we have a variety of new things we're dealing with. Our parents are getting older. We're in a different phase of our career. Our bodies are doing some things that we're not accustomed to, and they're changing. And our kids are growing up, and in a lot of our cases, launching. They're leaving. They're moving out. And there's just so many new things to deal with kind of all at once. It's hard to find a lot of instruction on it. It's hard to find community around it or conversations. And so... I'm going to go ahead and apologize, mamas, to you right now because we're going to we're going to hit the feels a little on today's episode. We're going to be talking about a little thing called empty nesting today. And I don't know how you feel about that. I think we're kind of all over the place on it, but a lot of you are going to be kind of choked up just thinking about it because look, we we gave these monsters our all, right? We gave them a couple of decades or more. I will tell you that my five got every last drop of me for the entirety of the time they've been alive. And so obviously I am moving, I'm already in this phase. I've got four of them out of the house. A couple of them are still in college though, so sort of middle and I've got one left at home and I feel all over the place about it. Sometimes I'm like, look at him go. I'm proud. I'm excited. It's so fun to watch him fly. Sometimes I'm like, it's lonely and weird in this house. And I miss the teen energy and I miss all the chatter and I miss all their friends. Sometimes I worry because they're also in the young adult stage where 
they're not making all the decisions I want them to make. <laughs> they're not following the script, right? I'm just all over the place. And sometimes I'm like, this is awesome. I did a completely empty nest trial last semester when Remy was in Spain. And so I didn't have anybody live here for four months. And I got a little trial and there were parts of it that I loved. And so I, I just don't know. You know, I just don't know. It depends on what day you ask me how I feel about this. So whether you're on the cusp of empty nesting or you're in it, or you've got a few years before it hits, whatever. We are going to chat about some things today that I hope will serve you as you move into this next phase. It's a, empty nesting is not talked about enough as a major life shift. And it is major. I mean, major. Like we talk about college and marriage and kids and retirement and all this stuff, like onboarding kids. And that's all true and well and good. But but kids leaving, like the empty nest is just not spoken about enough. I don't know if we avoid talking about it because we feel anxious around it or we're sad about it or we're worried about it. I'm not sure, but here we are. And so it's this huge moment that we're ill-prepared for because we've spent their entire lives like nurturing them and protecting them and raising them. And, and it is weird. We don't have any muscle memory for them moving out of this house and making their own choices. It is bizarre, right? So I love my guest for this conversation. For those of you who might not know Dr. Burns or remember him from his first time on this show back in 2018 during our parenting series back then, let me tell you about this incredible man. He is the president of Homeward, which is a nonprofit organization where he and his team share advice and wisdom that really help guide families and parents and kids through all phases of life. The last time he was on, he talked about how to be a parent to your adult children, but also how to not parent as much. Just before my kids were on the precipice of all that. So it was, I was like starving for all of his advice. And his words really stayed with me and have been wildly instructive as I navigate my life with all my newly minted young adults. Dr. Burns speaks to thousands and thousands of people around the whole entire globe every year. He's got more than 2 million resources in print in 20 different languages. I'm telling you, he's like credentialed. Now, his main areas of expertise include speaking about things like marriage, confident parenting, empowering our kids all along the way at all points in the spectrum and becoming healthy leaders. And these are things that I think we all aspire to, really. You've probably heard of some of his most popular books, Doing Life with Your Adult Children, which we talked about last time. And one that's going to be super relevant to our discussion today, which is finding joy in the empty nest. Jim and his wife, Kathy, live in OC in Southern California. They've got three grown daughters who went off and got married and have their own babies. So he doesn't just know what he's talking about as a professional, but he knows what he's talking about as a dad. So if you haven't already, go back and hit play on our last episode if you need more than what you hear today because he is gold. That one was called, by the way, Parenting Through All Stages, When to Hold On and When to Let Go. And it's all just good, 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 practical, meaningful stuff. I enjoy him so much. He's delightful. I love his energy, his warmth, his compassion, and his wisdom. So you guys, please enjoy this conversation with the absolutely wonderful Dr. Jim Burns. Dr. Burns, welcome back to the For the Love podcast. I'm so happy to see you again. Just 
So, so, so happy to see you again. So it's been a minute since you were on here last. I think you were with me last in like maybe even 2018. Can you just tell my audience briefly what you have been up to since we talked about the topic of your last book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children? Yeah. Well, I talk about it a lot because it hit a nerve in the world. And so I still talk about that a lot. And a lot of people you know, have a lot of questions about that. And, you know, I mean, I mentioned to you and it's the same with the empty nest issues. I mean, part of it was research, but part of it was just desperation because that's what Kathy and I were going through. And so, uh, you know, I talk a lot about that homeward. The organization I work with is the largest provider of parenting seminars in the U S we keep doing it. And it's a privilege to do that and talk to moms and dads about how to help their kids become responsible adults. So I've got five kids, four of them are out. My my fourth kid is a freshman in college. Now, granted, it's 20 minutes up the street, but he lives there. He lives on campus. It's it's a launch. So I'm down to one kid in the house. She's a junior. And I am sort of like more or less the median age of my audience. Like my crowd is kind of like me and they're aging with me. And so this is where a lot of us are. We are either going through the launch season or we're about to. And so let's start here because I'm, I'm going to get your expertise here in just a second, of course. I'd like to take it personal with you for just a second. Can you talk about your sort of personal experience when your girls moved out and started the, their own lives? How, how did you and Kathy handle it? Did you handle the same? Were you guys the same on this or were one of you over here and one here? What were those first days like? Were you ready? Did it creep up on you? Were you surprised by any of your feelings or reactions, either good or bad? Either way, like, did anything surprise you about that? And then what did you sort of use to cope or manage? Let me give you an experience. So we drop off Heidi. She's our youngest at school. And, you know, we've done the weekend putting together Bed Bath & Beyond and Target runs and all that stuff. A lot of energy, a lot of excitement. And we get in the car and we don't talk to each other for like a half an hour driving back home. And it's about a four and a half hour drive. And I look over at Kathy and all of a sudden I see a tear running down her cheek. She's looking out the window. And I said, are you okay, babe? She goes, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I go, it doesn't look like you're fine. And she goes, I don't want to talk about it. So then 10 minutes later, I said, Hey, we were in central California coming down the coast where we live in, in orange County. And, and I said to her, Hey, do you want to stop in Santa Barbara? great restaurant. We always go to it's lunch, you know, kind of a thing. You want to stop for lunch? And she said, no, no, I I'm okay. You're, you're okay. You don't want to have lunch at this place that overlooks the ocean on and on. So we finally drive straight home and I'm a little miffed at this because I mean, I'm in a different place, right? I mean, I was really sad that Heidi left. I cried when, you know, we hugged her and she wanted us to go kind of, but we get home and it is really quiet. And we had not been in a quiet and we had not prepared for this. You talked about people preparing, even you having a conversation with me with a junior is a big deal because I don't think most people prepare. So we sat there and said, you want me to go get Baja fish, which is a taco place. And she goes, no, I think I'll just have some soup. And that says to me, there's something wrong. There's just warning signs everywhere right now. Yes. And, and then surprisingly, the band at the high school starts playing because my girls, I have three daughters, no hormones or drama in our life. And what, what happened with them was they were gymnasts who became cheerleaders. So we were at nine years of football sitting in the cheer section. May I add the dad out here and Kathy, here's the band. And she goes, maybe we should go. 
And I was like, whoa, I, I don't know we should go. She goes, well, that's where our friends are. That's kind of where life has been. And I said to her, somewhat prophetically, because I had no idea what I was doing, but I said, maybe we need to reinvent our life and maybe not go at that point. And she looked at me and I think she almost wanted to, I mean, she's never slapped me in the face, but she's yeah. wanted to she's several times. Sure. Yeah. But I think she wanted to slap me because by me saying that, I didn't even say it sarcastically, but I went, maybe we need to reinvent our life and not go back to that. And you know what? We have talked about that that time. It was a tough time for us, Jen. And then we took it differently. Kathy had what we call the empty nest syndrome. I write about it in, in the empty nest book. I created a quiz, but she was the sun and there were three planets around her. And in the house, I was the other planet. So, I mean, basically you got four planets and all of a sudden no planets are revolving around the sun here. And she's got, trying to figure out what to do. And she experienced, she, she talks about this much more articulate than me, but she experienced some depression, some anxiety and like, whoa, what am I going to do? Now she's a specialist with autism. So she had already gone, she did good things. She'd already gone back to work where she hadn't for a while, but she had gone back and was, was teaching. So that was really meaningful to her, but that still didn't do it. For me, I didn't think I had the empty nest syndrome. And then I noticed, wait, I'm going to work an hour earlier and I'm staying an hour later. And I had a similar experience, to be honest, nobody would have seen that coming. And what I found when I started doing focus groups on empty nest was that the women were much more aware of the loss, the men, and I'm not, I'm generally speaking because that's not with everybody, but the men just did what I did. I mean, they just went, okay, I'll, I'll keep on doing what I've been doing, but really stuffing things. So I find that a lot of the people, and I think Kathy and I did some of this too, they buried things in their own marriage because they put so much energy in with their kids. Of course. When you talk about empty nest, you have to understand, I mean, what, almost half, not all half, but you know, you have single empty nesters. So now it's even more quiet because at totally. least we could lean on each other. But in the single empty nest, they're saying, okay, wait, I have a special bond with my kids, but they had huge, two huge losses. They had the loss of their child leaving, which we all have, but then they also have the loss of things that maybe just like in a marriage, you buried things in a single, maybe it was the divorce, maybe it was the death, but they have to kind of now look at that again in a different way. And so those are big deals. And I didn't see that coming. Kathy didn't see that coming. Now we've mm -hmm. had boomerang. We had boomerang eight sure. times. Right. <laughs> so they, right. they came back, right. you know, totally, but, totally. but you know, the average person is pretty much, I'm guessing, you know, more your age, the, the average person who goes, you can Google me on this is 48.9 goes into the empty nest. That means that some of those people are saying, wait, I'm going to spend more time in the empty nest than I did with my kids. And I just put two decades of energy to three decades of energy with kids every day, making it happen. I mean, it's understandably disorienting, really. Like it makes a perfect and exact sense. And I appreciate you saying that it takes the men by surprise, but they still experience it. That makes sense to me. Uh, the moms are having this conversation. Exactly. They are. The moms are much better at having that communication than the men. The men are either bearing it or they're going in their own midlife crisis or whatever. Not every man and not every woman. I mean, again, we can generalize on this, but what I found was that some of the men actually didn't handle this very good at all. C.S. Lewis one time said, you know, change it is loss. And I think the woman is aware of the loss, you know, where for me, I was like, even I had been so mad at my girls because they were all messy like me and they would throw their you know towels on the floor and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I would go into the bathroom where my girls hung out fighting because they all had that one bathroom. Uh, sure. And I would go, where are the towels? I, 
I miss the towels. I miss their mess. I miss their attitude. You know, even some of that. And then I would go, and what am I going to do now? You know, because because there's a lot of time. I'm, we're making this sound so bad, and it doesn't have to be. Honestly, uh-huh, that's but, right. yeah, I'm talking we'll about fighting there. joy. But we'll get there. the point. But the point being is, I realized that I missed a lot of the stuff. Just the action, the energy. I liked being Christie's dad, Rebecca's dad. When I was introduced, I liked being Heidi's dad when I was introduced rather than, you know, whatever I do in work. And all of a sudden I'm not their dad because I'm not around any of their, their friends or their friends' parents. Of course. I mean, just the, the truth is that the raising kids years, they're kind of a center point of the home. And so I don't, I dipped my toe into this. When my fourth kid, when my son went to college, right about the same time, just a couple of weeks later, my last kid, my junior, spent all of last semester in Spain as a foreign exchange student. So they both went out at the same time and she was gone for four months. And then since you and I talked last, I have experienced a divorce too. And so what I always expected to be, oh, well, the two of us are left here. And so now finally we get our prize from like raising kids. So it's very different because I'm the single empty nester that you're talking about. And it was bizarre, just bizarre. I have, I'm going to have five kids. It's, it's been buzzing in my house since 1998, you know, cause it's them and it's all their friends. And I haven't had a moment's quiet and I don't, I, two decades. And so it's just strange. We don't have any muscle memory for it. I would not say it's all bad. It wasn't even that I was like, this is terrible. I was just like, this is weird. This is weird. I have no precedence for being in a house without teen energy. I just don't know what this is. And it felt a little lonely. And I want to ask you, now that you have spent a fair amount of your professional time thinking this through, and coaching other parents through and experiencing just as a person. I don't even know if there's an answer to this question, but would you say there are any handful of measures or approaches or whatever that parents can do as they're on-ramping to launch? So the kids are in high school. It's not that far away. It feels like it to parents who've never launched a kid. You're like, oh, you're a sophomore. This is going to go on forever. I'm like, no, it is not. It's almost over. Like you are at the finish line. Like, is there anything we can do so this doesn't catch us so unaware? Yeah. Well, I think our conversation is a great conversation because I think we have to talk about preparing for it. And the people who did the best at the beginning, you know, when when there was the launch, are the people who actually kind of prepared for it. So, for example, my wife, when Heidi, our youngest, was a junior, she said, you know, I'm going to go back to work and work part-time. She's a teacher with kids who are on the spectrum, and she loved that. She was great at it. But she said, you know, right during this season, I'm going to put my energy here with the kids, and then, you know, maybe I'll come back to it. That was a good move for her. The other thing that I see are when people say, you know what, instead of waiting until the empty nest, it's when they take up going, all of a sudden they go, you know what, I haven't been to the gym in like, you know, nine years, and I'm going to, you know, go take a class or I'm going to do this kind of a thing. It's the people who ease into the empty nest instead of just the abrupt part. The people who have the abrupt experience, which most of us do, to be honest, that was us in many ways, they don't do as well, but it's the people who, who actually kind of prepare about it. And I know somebody who did one of the, I was so impressed with this. Their, their 
kid was a junior. It's a wonderful couple who I know. And they took a week vacation and they drove someplace, I can't, you know, Colorado. And they talked about this. What, what do we want to do when, you know, Barry, their kid goes away to college because all your kids still call you mom, even though they don't live there. Right. And so what do you do? And, and so they actually talked about some basic little things and it was interesting because none of them were, were big or fancy, but you know, they talked about, you know, putting some energy into friendships. One of the positive things that I, that I saw was that with people who had good friends, adult friends, cause let's face it. I mean, there's a season for a lot of people where you don't really have a lot of friends because your friends are, you know, the soccer friends or the this or that. 100%. You're not putting energy into it. It's the other team parents. Yeah. yeah, you're spending time with, you know, what I call VDPs, very draining people because they're always going to be around. But what about the VIPs, the people you lean into? The people who did well early on made decisions to, I don't care if it meant join a club, you know, do whatever they were going to do. I found it. I, I laughed about this because I saw something that, that you had sent my way. The, I started reading mom blogs, empty nest mom blogs. I mean, this is going to be good. Oh, that, <laughs> it just it scared me with no offense to mom blogs. Now some of these people are my favorite people, the empty nest sure. mom bloggers. But they're like, yeah, so take up bird watching and take up yeah. you know, this and that. And I'm like, ah, I don't want that. I want something more meaningful and more purposeful. Yeah. yeah. So what I found was, sure. Some of those people found meaning by having experiences outside of their own life, and they'd always wanted to be, quote unquote, a bird watcher. Again, no burn on bird watchers. I, sure. I respect them. I just don't know the difference between a parakeet and an eagle, and that's my problem, not their problem. But again, it's it's things that were going to feed your own life, feed your soul. You know, we didn't do that. We had to do that. You can do it both ways, but the people who do well do it in the prep time to answer your question, not in, not in the time where you're like, Hey, so what are we going to do now? And you have a lot of, a lot more free time. Mm. I think you're completely right. And that's not magic. It's not sorcery. It's not even that it's not that challenging. No, it does require intention. If you are going to build any space at all into the rest of your community or your friend group or your hobby or your, you know, little passion space, you will have to choose it in advance. I have done that for a lot of years. My parents modeled this. And so I never really knew another way. I thought this was just what you did. But I have spent my entire adult life deeply investing in and being invested in by my friends. So we've got a locked in friend group. And we spend, I mean, a ton of time together. We take trips together. We're like, we live in the same neighborhood. We're friends, friends. And I noticed that really matters. That really matters. Yeah. Well, you have what I call replenishing relationships. The American adult, 50 and over, they're very lonely people. In fact, there's a lot of st studies on this. And it's because they don't have replenishing relationships. You just described something that is the heart dream, a felt need, but you got to lean into it. You know, one of the, the best phrase that I have in my head on this is, you know, successful and a well-lived life is never accidental. And that takes time You to have the kind of friendships. I've been in a small group every Tuesday morning, 21 years. Oh and these my are guys. goodness. So, so with these guys, I mean, first we wow. talked about sports and politics and anything to stay away from talking about marriage or issues. One day a guy opened up his life and he said, you know what, I'm dying in my marriage right now. And we all jumped in. And, you know, today 
not only do we have a lot of fun and we do a, a guy's trip every year, which is awesome, but it's also that we, we hang out. You know, yesterday there was another event. One of our guys was in, being interviewed in it. We all showed up and I, I didn't know the entire group was going to be there. And it was a big investment. It was like nine to two. I'm like, oh man, I, I don't want to spend nine to two to this event, but I did. And I sat next to him. And when he came off the stage twice, he's, he's a businessman. I just said, great job. Pat him on the back, wrote him a love note afterwards on and on. But the point being is all of us were there. And none of us had talked about it. We'd seen each other Tuesday, but we showed up, you know, a couple of days later. It's so good. Because we love this guy. Well, you know what? I am beyond measure fortunate. I'm a better husband, a better father, you know, just a better person because I have these guys in my life. Same with you. You just described, you just described what happened to me when I started doing focus groups on the empty nest and interviewing people saying, how do you find, how did you find joy? Or do you have any joy? When they said they had friendships, they did well. And when they said they didn't have friendships, by the way, one of the number one things for singles in that too. And I write a chapter on that because it was so, it's so prevalent and I couldn't find stuff on single in the empty nest. I mean, they were like couples. Oh, you know? That is so true. But what I found was that the people who had deep friendships and actually invested in something meaningful for them, that was kind of the secret to their success. And I found a bigger factor. Yeah. I found a number of of people and I'll be honest with you, mainly women, not as many men had that story. Mm -hmm. I believe you. I believe you. And I also believe that that is the key that turns the luck and you don't have to be partnered or in a marriage to experience that. And that was, that was the case for me because all of my friends are married. They're a bunch of marrieds. And so, because we've been friends forever. These are old friends, not new friends. And it just didn't matter. It just, at our age, it's like everybody in the boat, who cares? Like there's not this sense of being coupled and single. And it wasn't just all those sort of heart connections. It was also time because now I, ha- I had something to do. I had somewhere to go. I had people to be with. And I wasn't just home going, why are my toilets so clean? You know, like, why are all my cups on the shelves? Yeah. Like, why do I have all my forks? Well, you, you get the finding joy lapel pin today, because honestly, you're, you're saying what people are, they need to do a lot of times in the single crowd. What we found was the ones who were struggling, they also went, well, I'm single for this reason. So I'm not going to hang out with my married friends. And yet there was a woman who I love and adore who went through a divorce and she still does taco Tuesday with some of the same couples. And she goes, and I love it. I go, is it awkward at all? And she goes, I never even think about it. You know, she goes, I just have conversation with everybody. She goes, I miss not having a partner and you know, all this kind of stuff, but I don't want to jump into that because that could, you know, be a mess for me, she said. But Taco Tuesday, she goes, I actually look forward to, we did Taco Tuesdays married and we did Taco Tuesday single. And I actually like a better single because I'm even looking more forward to it. Good move on her part. I I couldn't agree more. On my very first single Valentine's Day, and I was married for 26 years, so it's no joke. I didn't have any adult memories as a single. I was a 19-year-old bride. So on my very first single Valentine's Day, and I was still in a free fall back then. Yeah, I went out with my best friends and their husbands, table of seven, three couples. (laughs) And it did not even occur to me to be weird about it or them. They were just like, pull it up. So that that is possible. We don't have to apply a limiting belief on the community just because we think, well, it's supposed to look this, or I thought it was going to look this way and it looks different. Yeah. And, and may I add that, that you're unique on that because a lot of people, I, I'm on a show called New Life Live and it's a, it's the largest Christian counseling show in the country. And, and we get calls of people who go, 
my married friends left me. You know, I got, I went through this divorce and they left me. So what you did was you leaned into it. Cause I hear most every day, the story of somebody who's like bitter and angry at the friendships thing. And that's when you have to kind of, you know, if, if your friends aren't going to do that, either you lean in or you still find others when you already feel abandoned, you know, in a time when you don't need to feel abandoned, but you did it, you did it right. You're the role model on that one. I would say my friends are, they, they stuck like barnacles to me. And for a while they just breathed air for me. And so I couldn't shake them if I wanted to, if I tried to say, I don't want to be in y'all's friend group anymore. They would be like, we're not having it. Y'all, I am excited about this. I'm planning a Nashville trip this spring. You know, I love that town. Planning and researching trips is my jam. 90s country music is my other jam. And I found an app that offers guided tours of Ryman Auditorium and Country Music Hall of Fame. Like, be still my achy, breaky heart. As soon as I saw this option on Viator, I knew this was something Tyler and I had to do. Viator has over 300,000 bookable travel experiences in over 190 countries, from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche stuff in between. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Let me ask you this question, Dr. Burns, on the flip side of it. Would you, do you have any recommendations for any young adults who are listening to this, how they can potentially support their parents? Is there a way to advise our newly adulted kids with boundaries, of course, because that's important and new and different and kind of weird sometimes. How can you be a support to your parents. I know that's a weird role reversal, but here we are. Like we've raised you for 18 or 19 years and it's weird having you go. And so thoughts on that? Well, I do have some thoughts on it. In fact, I'm speaking out of college on it in September and I'm already thinking about the conversation I'm going to have with these students. One is if they can, they've got to walk in their parents' shoes. So they have to understand this. They've never been a, an adult, so they don't know really what they're doing. They're the first to say that probably, but then also their parents have never been parents of adults. So they're going through a rite of passage just like they are. So the young adult has to go, oh, wait, my parents are going through it. They don't know what they're doing. They've got to reinvent their relationship with me. And so I think they can help the kid, the students, the young people, the young adults can help by actually just walking in the shoot. What is, what is my mom going through? I mean, what is my dad going through? And when they understand that, you know, maybe they'll call more often. Like, you know, I have three daughters and one just. I mean, I have, if I called her 10 times, she doesn't pick up any time. And then I text her and she's like, she'll write, write back. But she has to understand that sometimes I just, I do want to talk to her. And I know I say this, you know, even in in my book on empty nesting, I I say to parents, I go, you know, your kids probably don't want to see you as much as you want to see them. But if you're an adult kid and, and you're feeling somewhat responsible, my goodness, they want to talk to you. They want to, I mean, they would love to get a note. We die for the affirmation. You know, when, when my daughter, Rebecca, at her wedding, well, she actually had two weddings because she got married in COVID and then they got married in Italy. And so I, I did both weddings. I said, Hey, I hope your second you know, marriage is as good as your first. It was the same guy. Right. <laughs> so, but anyway, when she said, dad, when we have kids, we want to raise our kids like you and mom did. Mm, Honestly, I burst lovely. out crying. It was embarrassing because I, I burst out. 
I burst out crying because this was the kid who go, you guys are the most conservative. You're not oh, this, yeah. you don't do this. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and she ripped on us and all of a sudden she's telling, I'm tearing up thinking about it right now, but her affirmation to me for one of the significant, most significant parts of my life, that was, that was crucial. So if a kid can do that, that's an incredible gift. So I think that's one of them. Walk, walk in their shoes. And I, I think the other one is, is, you know, we, we still need your time. So, you know, I remember my parents, I didn't, you know, of course there were no cell phones when I was in college and I called them every Sunday, collect. Same. Yeah, I had. Exact and, same. Yeah. But you know, I miss Sundays because I was busy and I was having fun and whatever. And I thought who would have thought that they were, I never dawned on them, but they were sitting by the phone waiting for my call. Well, we're not going to go out to dinner. Jim may call. And with us, when I get a call from my kids that are more of a mentor or just a, you know, checking in call, which doesn't happen very often, I admit, instead of a, Hey, I need something that's amazing for me. They've got to pay attention to us just ever so often. Okay. I realize you're going (laughs) on with your life. You're, you're an adult, you've got other things, but just periodically pay attention. We, after all, we did wipe your nose. We wiped your butt. We, you know, we, we put some energy into this thing. (laughs) You know, they just don't think of us as real people though. We're parents. And so not only do they think we know what we're doing, I remember thinking my parents know what they're doing. They're grown. Like they must know something about putting a kid in college and they know how to handle this. I never really thought of them as superhuman in it that like I do now. Let me ask you this because you've got so much research to pull from and to reference so much data. I'd like to hear you say you're ahead of me. So my oldest is just coming up on 25. So I'm in the 17 to 24 that's where I'm at with the kids. And so I've noticed that some of the college years and even just shortly thereafter is some interesting push and pull. Neither one of us quite know how to do it right. So I feel like sometimes my kids are like, this is none of your business. I'm grown. I'm an adult, adult who." Bills are paid by the parent, but what it's neither here nor there. I'm grown. And then sometimes they are like, you're not parenting me enough. This bad thing has happened. And I think somehow it's your fault. Which is it? Like just which it's, it's like, come in, go away. And so I I find that sometimes challenging and it it discombobulates me as a mom. And I'm not sure if I'm doing too much or not enough. And I I have this weird suspicion that it's both. I, I feel like I actually feel both ways. What do you have to say about this? Is this normal? When we said that to our mentors who are older than us, they laughed and they went, this is normal. And I'm, I said, Hey, I'm actually looking for some help here. That's right. And I remember this couple, we were actually at dinner with them and they, and we said basically that story and they just started laughing. They go, Oh yeah. We remember when that was the case. What's funny, it was kind of helpful. I mean, you know, like, you know, when somebody says, I'm either crazy or normal and they go, well, you're kind of both, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, so yeah. what, what I'm saying is that that's part of their journey. So for us, we have to be students of the culture. So today's culture, your kids are Gen Z and your oldest is sort of a millennial, but probably right on the, right on the edge. So with that, you know, what do they do? They meander toward responsibility. They meander toward marriage. You know, they get married a lot, a lot later in life. Yeah, you got married right. at 19. Right. All right. So you I became an adult. Right. You had bills right. to pay. You had responsibilities. They don't. Okay. So I think it's important for us to understand that we're going to get the push pull. One of the things that, that I, I think parents do 
is we have to understand that if we are always giving them advice, which we have been pretty good at for 20 of their years, they see that unsolicited advice is taken as criticism. But they, And even if the advice is good, but what they see is that you don't trust them to be an adult. And you go, well, yeah, but I'm paying for your school. I'm paying for this. I totally get that. But what we have to understand as parents, just like when they were five, is that experience is a better teacher than advice. So if you can say to your kid, don't touch that fire, but they're going to touch the fire sometime. And then they'll quit touching the fire because they did it one time and it burnt. Right. Mm. I do find that through the twenties, they're called emerging adults and they're trying to figure out what, who they are and what they're doing, that it does typically most of them settle down once they do get married. So all of my daughters are now married one recently. And in that it kind of does settle down and, you know, we kind of get more attention and, and, and whatever. But with a parent, the question we have to ask is, are we helping or are we enabling dependency? And a lot of parents, I think, are enabling dependency. I mean, they mean to help. Whatever we're thinking, we're trying to do to help them. But sometimes we're enabling dependency. And in doing that, that's not going to help. Or we have to understand that you know, a lot of parents today, and especially ones who have just jumped into the empty nest with younger kids is, you know, they also are, are in grief because their kids are violating their values or they're straying from whatever they taught them and whatnot. Now enlarge the relationship, do stuff that, you know, still have, still work on that adult to adult friendship, because part of when your kids are younger and you're right at the cusp of that with even your youngest, you're moving from parent child to more of a adult to adult relationship. You're still the parent. But they're not your child anymore. They're an adult. And, you know, even tough love says they're going to experience some consequences. You have to allow that consequences to happen. And that's rough because we can bail them out. Sometimes even parents try to bail them out with money. That That's not the answer. Totally. It's true. And it feels weird in our bones and in our bodies because we've not done it before. We've, when they're younger and there are places that we can, can and even should feasibly step in, that's all we've ever known. I don't know how else to categorize it, but it kind of feels like a bit of a free fall, that free fall feeling. Like, I guess I'm just going to let them sit out there and flounder. And I can clearly see a path out of this, you know? I mean, but I'm just going to let them like slip slide around and it is hard. And I, I think it's just helpful to say it's hard for everyone. We don't do it because it feels great. And it doesn't mean we don't lay in bed at night and worry about should I do more? Are they going to pick the right thing? But it's how it is. We were that way. I mean, our parents did not, our mind did not overreach at all. I mean, we were on our own. Now, granted, we were married like two young dum-dums, but I mean, my parents were just, they were, and I never felt neglected. Like I appreciate it. So it's just, I think it's helpful to know this is just a new face. And it feels different than the one before. And that's exactly. And, and, you know, and again, one of the things I like to say in the empty nest thing is when your kids find new experiences, then your job is to follow their lead and you find some new experiences too. It doesn't mean that the new experiences are going to make what the decisions they're making or all the change, you know, just go away, but it still helps you. So when you have your friends that you talk about, when you have your friends, you can go to and go, you know what? I'm pulling out my hair. You can look at, you can see this on, you know, I have no hair. So I'm pulling out my hair because of what my kids are doing. And they go, yeah, we get it. They don't make it all better for you, but they hear you. And, and sometimes that's what we need more than the, you know, answers, or here's the latest quick fix, or here's the book that's going to change your life. Honestly, you, you need somebody to put their arm around you and just go, 
I get it. We've been there and I hope it works out for you. It kind of sort of worked out for us, but it really was different. We have too many dreams when our kids are so little. Oh, right. That's back when I thought I could control this thing to the last mile. Exactly. I knew exactly what the formula was. (laughs) I knew how to like put all the right ingredients in and stir the pot and get the kids who did the thing. Like, listen, when you asked me if when I had kindergartners, I had it all sewn up. Absolutely sewn up. I had a plan. And then they turn out to be human people, just like we were. And they get to make their own decisions. Let's, Let's land the plane here. Based on all your work and all those zillions of parents that you coach, the young adults that you see, all your work and writing, what's the good news here? What what do you want the listeners to go, here's the upside, guys? Yeah. Well, that actually people who make the right decisions as they enter the empty nest actually say that they have never been happier. That doesn't mean life is perfect, but they've made the good decisions. They actually have found joy. You know, one of the constant phrases of my message is games are won in the second half, not in the first. And so in the second half, you can make some some tweaks to it and you can win that game. But for us, that means we got to do some soul searching. We got to do some life, you know, like I said, it's not going to happen accidental. We're not going to do this by circumstance and chance. So really, we need to develop a plan to find that joy in the empty nest. And the people who do that, would they say life is perfect? No, there's nobody who, who says that. And if they are, they're lying to, yeah, to you not. and me. But what I find is that the people who, who actually engage in you know, meaningful activities and, and, and rekindle, if they're married, rekindle romance, rekindle the, that spark, that literally Teenagers have a way of just taking that spark and you know, sure killing do. it, right? So <laughs> those people who find that, they do much better than the people who just you know kind of let life take over. And next thing you know, you look up and you go, wow, I'm not happy. People make choices. You can, you can make a, a good marriage. You can make a good... And again, I'm not saying that there aren't issues that cause divorce and there aren't issues that cause brokenness or a kid. Really good parents have kids who make really poor choices. That's going to happen. I mean, that's just that's just the nature. But the people who find the joy in the empty nest are the ones who really made an effort to do that. And when you're 19, for me, when I'm 21, I didn't have any clue how to do that as an adult. But now as adults, I don't have to live by circumstance and chance. I actually have some tools in my toolkit that's going to help me find that joy and uh, I need to lean into it. So there's great news, but I can't do it alone. I'm going to have to do it with my tribe and you got to find a tribe. You found that, I found that, but but a lot of your listeners have not found that. And that's lonely and that's tough. And I'm not saying it's easy, but you know, this is where they have to jump out and find that tribe to do life with in the empty nest. I love it. I say that all the time. Where so for the people listening, they're like I need 100 more hours of this instruction. Can you tell my community where to find you, all your work, all your books? Yeah. Well, you can find it on Amazon, but you can also go to homeword, W-O-R-D.com. And Homeward has lots of great stuff. We've got courses on this stuff. We've got free, like today, we sent out a culture brief. Every Friday, 7 million people get our culture brief in a year. And it's on you know, where, what kids are doing. And I, I read it today and went, oh my gosh, I learned a lot about this. And it's just four, it takes four minutes, you know, so we've got blogs, we've got all that kind of good stuff. So they can go to homeward.com and they can, they can definitely find us. They can find our books and courses and seminars and life and all that. 
Perfect. I'll round up all those links for everybody. All right. Last question. I've given to you this question before. This is whatever you want to say, however you want to answer it and whatever's true today. That's it. It can be funny. It can be precious. You just pick your feeling. It's Barbara Brown Taylor's question. What is saving your life right now? Mm. Two things. One is I was in Minnesota, negative 14 degree talking at a conference. And next week I'm going to Honolulu to speak at a conference oh, with my wife. Gosh. And that's, I'm thinking about the, I checked the weather today <laughs> to just make sure it was okay, that it wasn't snowing in Honolulu and it's not. So that is partly saving my life. The other thing that's saving my life is my wife, Kathy, she just went through two years since we've talked, she went through two years of breast cancer treatment and it has caused her as she looks at her mortality and to be an even more incredible person. And last night we were just sitting on the couch kind of re- talking and she goes, you know what? I'm almost glad I got breast cancer because it, it made me look at the things that matter most. I would say that in this empty nest, we re-sparked our marriage because honestly, we have what we call a high maintenance marriage and the empty nest, we still have a high maintenance marriage, but the empty nest has caused us to do more things together have better conversations together. Those are the two things that are saving me right now. Perfect. I love it. I just love it every time you're here and I learn so much from you and I'm always encouraged by you. Thank you for just continuing to serve this space where you're right. There isn't a ton out there and we're wanting to do this well, but we've never done it. And so thank you for your, just being who you are in the world. And until next time. Great to be with you, Jen. Thank you. All right, you guys, as promised, I will round up all the links for you. If you go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, I will put all things Dr. Burns there for you. Because again, he's got parenting stuff, no matter really what stage of parenting you're in. And so even if you're not quite to the empty nest space yet, he's got stuff for you too. So I'll make sure that you have that over on my website. And I can't wait to hear what you think about this one. This is a conversation a lot of us are hungry to have, and we're not sure where to turn. It's sort of an on-ramp, right? Like there's this earlier part, we're getting ready for it. There's this beginning part where it's so jarring and like dramatic. And then there's the middle part where we're sorting out a new rhythm to our relationships. I mean, this is This is a long one and we should be talking more about it. And so I'm glad that we are here. You guys, thanks for being in the middle series. We have so many good guests and important and interesting and helpful conversations built into this series. And I think you're going to love it. All right. See you next week.